Hello, and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have John Waldron, founder of Learnedly. Learnedly is an online financial services learning platform that is looking to modernize the way we in financial services take in education. And with that, here's my interview with John. Hello, John. Hi. Thanks for uh, taking the time to come in today. It's my pleasure to be here. Excellent. So John Waldron, founder of Learnedly. Tell us about Learnedly. Sure. So Learnedly is uh, an online training platform for Canadian financial professionals. And the best way that I could probably explain it is if you're familiar with lynda.com or yep. LinkedIn Learning now that it's uh, it's called, we're very much similar to that, but for Canadian financial professionals. And I'd say if your listeners, if they're not familiar with lynda.com, it's maybe more like Netflix, but slightly less entertaining, just slightly. Well, it depends on what you find entertaining. The, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Says so the guy with ten designations behind his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so essentially, you are a was termed a learning management system, right, mm-hmm. for financial services. But you have, for lack of a better term, Netflix the entire experience, following a model that existed for general learning yes. under Lindell.com, Which, for those of you who are just looking for instruction on basic use of technology or photography or graphic, it's, it's an incredible resource and mm-hmm. I love it. But you've done it specifically for our sector as a means of hopefully increasing awareness, understanding and education in the industry. Perfect. Yeah. So let's talk about why this came about. Why did you start Learnedly? So I'm, I'm quite passionate, like, like you, Jason, I'm also quite passionate about education in, uh, in, in this space. I, I think it's just empowering. You, know, mm-hmm. you have a lot of designations. I, I have a few myself. And I think my experience of being in the industry as an advisor, as a financial planner it's empowering to to take courses that can help you help your your clients and i think that experience i think a, a lot of that training it's there's a lot of barriers to it it's very expensive it's uh, time consuming it's frustrating it's hard to get to and that's not just my sentiment that's the sentiment of the industry and huh. so i i was working with uh, a large course provider, let, let's say. She'll go nameless, but anyone can, <laughs> you say large course provider in Canada, you can pretty much guess, but let's continue. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave enough breadcrumbs here to, uh, <laughs> to, to paint the picture. So I talked to a lot of IROC firms, a lot of MFDA firms and insurance firms, and uh, we started to ask about how do your advisors like to learn? What are we missing here in the industry? And there was some really consistent themes about, number one, about price, mm-hmm. so making it more affordable. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, some of the most, intro- like the introductory courses this industry are over a thousand bucks now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can dive into that. No, actually, I'll come back to Let's that. Let's do that. Yeah. Th- that one is a really important point. But uh, cost was a big factor, but so was just the modern experience. So we were, we were lacking that. So there was mm-hmm. a real ask for uh, video-based content, but also to make it more accessible through mobile. Mm-hmm. And if you're outside of the financial services industry in Canada, you'll realize that the education out there is amazing. And you said mm-hmm. lynda.com and, and I love lynda.com. I'll, I'll give them another big plug. I remember the moment I had discovered them and it was just just this liberating experience. It was amazing. So when I left that large course provider, I knew something needed to be different. This Mm -hmm. industry, our industry needed something different in terms of education and training. And before I started to actually do the the groundwork of building Learnedly, I actually went to lynda.com and I said, where do you see yourselves going in terms of of training? And, And my thinking was this, if they would branch into financial services, I would jump on and I 
would run it with them. And if not, if they weren't going in that direction, then I'd start learning. So I'm going to guess that they weren't too eager given the regulatory framework that basically exists because they pretty much, all their courseware lives in a non-regulated world for lack of a better term. Right. Yeah. That was a huge part of it because they said, look, we don't want to get into regulatory stuff. We don't want to get into yeah. that kind of a space. And also, and it was around that same time that Microsoft had acquired LinkedIn, which owned mm -hmm. Purchase, lynda.com. So they were thinking more about going more global and more, how do you run Excel? So Excel courses and PowerPoint and Word. Yeah. And I've used them for training my own staff and those things. I mean, it's they're bite-sized, like 20-minute classes, video with templates and everything else. It is in, you know, again, I'll, we'll plug this again. It's becoming an ad for lynda.com, which by the way, if you listen to the podcast, <laughs> you hear advertised all the time. But like, talk about a cheap and effective way to train your staff on fundamental things better than you ever could. Yeah. Like incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So for our subscribers who go into Learnedly, they get that same same sort of experience within our videos. I mean, a lot of it's modeled by it. And I'm, I make no secret about that. I, I am Imitation so, is the highest form of flattery. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, and I tell them that. And, and in fact, it's funny because I've actually built a relationship with lynda.com. They've referred us business because one of their gaps is they don't have financial services training. So they've actually sent us business because because they've been, been talking requested. to yeah. yeah financial services firms and they say well we love what you do but we would love to have more of the financial services yeah. and so they've they've flipped us business i've spoken at a few of their events so I'm, I'm a i'm a huge fan and that was a big inspiration for for learnedly but to bring it back to why in this particular industry and space it is because we're really missing this on-demand training thing i mean so you have the onboarding the licensing courses and getting up and running which are expensive and and I would say a little bit outdated at this point but and, and sometimes the bar is a little bit too low but let's continue on. <laughs> yeah yeah um nice. so I, I think there are a lot of challenges there but I think one of the big things I mean for me I started uh, I started in 2001 and I still have my Canadian securities course textbooks and and I'll refer to them even still now I enjoy being able to refer back to them but it would be nice to have something that's in my pocket. It'd be nice to have something live, that's, updated. Yeah. That's right. That's that's updated in real time, and 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 it's much larger than just that one particular course. I mean, here before we started recording, we were talking about working in remote offices and the need for a physical office space. I mean, gone are the days where you have this office and you you have a bookshelf where you can have twenty or thirty of your textbooks. When I was a planner, I had five textbooks, five of my industry textbooks that I I would keep on the shelf and refer to. And now in a place where you're much more mobile, you just don't have the same luxury of, of carrying around these textbooks. Now, that's not the, the only reason then for starting something that's digital, but we're now in a place where things are evolving very fast. Things are changing. Mm -hmm. The landscape is changing. Technology is changing. <laughs> Tax goals. code every other year. Yeah. And so it only makes sense to be able to have something that, that you can refer to and just stay up to date and make it easy and, and simple. And that's really what we're at to do. Make it easy and make it simple. Mm -hmm. And we're not... Look, there are two types of people in this in this industry. If, if I could polarize them, I would say there are people who really love education and training, and there are people who really don't. They just see that as a, a, a basic requirement and need to satisfy their requirements. So Learnedly is really about catering to both of those people. If you love it, great, because it's all access. Mm -hmm. It's You can subscribe and you can access all of the content, but it's also about the people who just want to get it done. You can pull it out in your pocket. You can access any course in three clicks. It's there. You can watch 
it offline. So if you're traveling, if you're in the plane, and if you just simply don't like it, then that's it. You don't have to worry about getting, logging in and finding things. We just make it simple. Good. I mean, I also, what I really like about these types of platforms and yours particular to our industry is that, you know, I think back to countless experiences where I would meet you know, when I was younger and I would meet older advisors and their learning had clearly stopped at a certain point in their career. And what they were saying was so out of date mm-hmm. that it was like, that's just, that's, that's not right. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is, is that especially in just society to date in large part, our education has been seen as a period dependent thing, right? So you go through school, you're done school, you know, it's the last you're going to see of it, right? And then, oh, you get, have to do these courses. So you get to treat them like the thing you get behind you, right? Yeah. As opposed to taking a lifelong learning approach, which frankly, I get the burden there. I get the hurdle because you look at the way, you know, some courses like, or some the certifications like the CFA is done, right? Like, it's just like, here is this mountain of stuff you've got to get through to get this exam done, right? As opposed to, hey, Hey, here's this bite-sized digestible thing that you can actually almost make a routine, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you literally wanted to potentially say, you know, I'm going to become the best I possibly can at this. I'm going to take one of your courses per week. It's a 30 minute commitment. It's less than you're supposed to do at the gym in a weekly basis, right? right? But right. It's a commitment towards your, towards your betterment. So I think that the great thing about programs like yours making the cost burden reduced and the ability to digest the content in shorter periods of time just makes it so much more accessible. Yeah. Right? Like it makes it makes it easy to like kind of change your hopefully change your mindset and hope many, hopefully some people listening here start doing that kind of we'll call it the, the mental gym of basically going and doing this training. Start taking a more of a lifelong approach to bettering themselves through through tools like yours. Yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, people learn more and they retain more when they need to know something, when, when they're in that moment where they need to so know true. something. Yeah. That's when they are motivated to learn, yep. and that's when the retention is the greatest. They typically need to apply it at the time, right? Which there's yeah. plenty of studies that show if you don't apply what you learn very shortly after, it's gone. Right. Yeah. So that's a two-part process there. You, you need to learn it, and you need to use it, or else you lose it. And you could learn about how your plumbing works in your house, and you can spend a lot of time learning it. But it's in that moment where you have a, if your water starts leaking, and it's all over the floor, and you need to fix your toilet or whatever, the case is, I mean, that's the moment where you're the most engaged. You're, you're going to want to figure it out and yeah. you're not going to want to register and purchase a course at that point. You're going to go to YouTube. You're yeah. going to go and you're going to search for how do I fix this and how do I fix it right now? Yep. And chances are the next time it happens, you probably won't have to, you'll probably know how, how it's fixed. And that's the idea of lifelong learning is about just making it that accessible. And it's interesting you said that because I feel like, you know, in Western society, we're there's an abundance of education. We take for granted just how incredibly powerful YouTube has become as a learning vehicle. You look at places where, where education is less accessible around the world, and you have people learning how to computer code, <laughs> learning engineering skills, any number of things just based off YouTube videos posted yeah. there for free, right? Yeah. I yeah. have a friend in Dubai who basically she, when they moved because her husband's job moved, like she was trying to figure out something to do. So she got into the, she started a bakery and you should see her cakes. It looks like she's classically trained, but it was all freely taught off YouTube mm-hmm. and practice, of course. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't lynda.com start off by just curating free videos and yep. creating those streams? So yep. that's the benefit. Like, yeah, so you have the free option, which is all over the map. God knows what the quality is like. If you want to do the hunt, you know, knock yourself out. But then you have the the streamlined solution, something like what you put together, which is the curated high quality, reinforced, backed by CE credits or approved for CE credits. And basically you can use it to foster that journey of your education. So let's talk about the price point because that keeps on coming up. And I... Sure. <laughs> 
I'm going to applaud you on it, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the price point, it's uh, $20 a month. That's it. Which yeah. is less than the price of just about any course in this industry altogether. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. And, on and a yearly basis, I mean, yeah. So as much as we would want to say that we're out to disrupt the industry, and I think to a large degree that that is what we're out to do, but education is a right. It's not a privilege. And it should be priced that way. Mm -hmm. like it should be priced so that it can be as available as possible to as many people as possible. So let's talk about this, you know, the $1,000 price point for the licensing courses. So just to take you back a little bit as to how I got into the industry, I was living in my van and I was in Jasper, Alberta. I was a tour guide at Moline Lake. And um, living in my van was pretty awesome. I, I had just finished my degree in psychology in Halifax. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. So I bought a van and decided I was going to take a year to travel across mm -hmm. the country. In that process, of course, I'm making no money, but I'm just loving life. And I, I realized, hey, I'm going to have to really be savvy with my money. If I'm going to just live this life of, of being a tour guide in my van and traveling around, I should be really, really smart with my money. And someone said, look, you should take the Canadian securities course. And uh, so I looked in it. And at that time, I had, uh, it was $400. And I had $450 in my tip jar. I had been saving up and i had just enough to purchase the course and that's mm -hmm. what i said i'd do with it was it the old three book course or they had it gone down to two at this point it was still two yeah okay all right because yeah. anyway i'll tell you my grievance but continue <laughs> <laughs> so i picked it up and i was amazed by it and i actually was just i really enjoyed it so i you know i'll give kudos to the Canadian Securities Institute, they, it drew me in because it was all about, look, here's what a dollar is. Here's what equity is. Here's what fixed income is. Here's how it works. And here's time value of money. Here's like basic concepts of why this is important. Yeah. 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 And you know, I got to this point where I'm a tour guide on a boat. It's a three hour boat journey, not quite unlike Gilligan's Island, but, da, 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 da. <laughs> but you know, here I would find myself talking about, you know, the mountains and glacier fed water. And then I would start to like, cut into oh and did you know that you could arbitrage stock on two different exchanges and did you, you know like <laughs> I, i'm so excited by this and so i left jasper i went back to halifax and i got in the industry the financial industry mm -hmm. and i absolutely loved it now i had 450 dollars of disposable money to spend to purchase it had it been 50 dollars more Mm -hmm. I would not have purchased it and I would have completely missed this industry. And I think that's a real tragedy when you think about these courses that could really level set people about here's what this industry is. Here's why it's awesome. Here's yeah. all the things that you can do in this wonderful wide world of financial services. And sadly, back at that time, that was probably the easiest and fastest way to get basic financial literacy to the average person was yeah. this licensing course. Like that's how yeah. little the resources exist. I mean, they're still not great, yeah. but my God, like that, you know, you go through school, you wouldn't learn any of that. And then you have to find this licensing course to do it. Right. And what is really nice about the Canadian securities course, uh, look, I'll, I'll give them another plug. It's talking about industry level content. So this is yeah. speaking to someone who's going to get into the industry. And there actually is an appeal for a retail investor to learn that style of education about financial services. I didn't learn it. I didn't buy it with the intent of getting into the industry. It was for me to sustain a life of living in my van as a tour guide. So I wanted to really understand it. I didn't want... 
I didn't want marketing information. I didn't want marketing material. I wanted the core. I wanted to really understand it. And now fast forward to 2019, there is so much financial literacy content out there for retail investors that the number one complaint that's still out there is there's not enough or there, I don't know where to go or I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I'd also say there's biases in inherent to a lot of that stuff. Right. Um, you know, there's that's my grievance, right? Yeah. Or, you know, there's biases or there's an underlying agenda to a lot of it. Like, you know, some was put out there by people clearly trying to essentially pad their type of product that they're selling. Yes. Some of it is, you know, that one person's view of the universe. You know, we're not looking at this necessarily from an evidence standpoint. And, but nevertheless, we're still in far better shape than we were previously. For sure. And I mean, I think that there's the opportunity to have something that's completely unbiased and, mm -hmm. and very earmarked as, look, this is industry standard information. Education, yeah. And that's, we're for Canadian financial professionals, not for the retail, but we make it accessible. So, you know, retail 20 bucks a month it's completely accessible yeah and we think of we think about that like we think about costco costco is wholesale they're for wholesalers they yeah. don't advertise to to retail but 99 percent of their customers is a retail base that's mm -hmm. not necessarily our strategy but I think the point being is that we think it's important to have really good and unbiased education in financial services and mm -hmm. make it unbiased and make it as accurate as we can and as efficient as we can. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I've got my own grievances with some of these courses. Unfortunately, I see many of them, which have been named, but I will not name directly. Just every time they get rewritten, they keep on getting easier, mm -hmm. which is not the standard we should be setting. But that's, that's a separate point altogether. I've actually told that institution multiple times that they got to stop <laughs> doing that. So in general, okay, so take me through through the user experience for mm -hmm. what this looks like. I sign up for your service mm -hmm. and I want to learn about X. You know, like for example, you have a ETF proficiency course that's approved for two hours of CE credit. Clearly this is not going to take five minutes to get through. What's the experience for me going through this, both desktop and mobile look like? Yeah, so so with all of our courses, they're predominantly video-based mm -hmm. and uh, the video streams on desktop, on tablet or on smartphone. So we have an app both on, the, uh, on Android, so on uh, Google Play, Play and on uh, Apple, so for any iOS device. So it's true mobile experience. It's not just the mobile friendly. It's you can download it onto the app, you can stream it offline, and you can watch all of these entire courses. And you can also watch it on, on the desktop. So it's video based. That course in particular, so the e our ETF proficiency course, it's, uh, it is two hours. It's 56 videos. So if you kind of do the math, you, these videos are very short. They're one minute, two minute, three minute it's in that range. And every video really just focuses on one learning object. And the idea there is, okay, so not only is it a bit of a journey to you that you go through the entire course, but it's also your reference material. Mm -hmm. So when you've completed that course, and if you're offering ETFs, if you do need to go back to any one particular topic, it makes it very easy. You don't need to try to fast forward or rewind through two hours of content, you can actually just look at that one specific video dial in and there's the two or three minute video that you can access. Which I mean, it's, yeah, so it's a chapter for, you basically created chapters, for lack of a better term. Yep. And two minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, for someone who's now got a TV show, he's got to write scripts for, two minutes is like, what, four pages? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, uh, there's a fair amount of content in there in two yeah. minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's one of the big challenges with, with creating video. And I think it's one of the reasons why the other course providers, or let's say the incumbents anyway, are 
not have not jumped onto video-based content is it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to yeah. write industry training material. It's you know none of our stuff is just off the cuff. It's this is a refreshing change to have a nice yeah. unscripted conversation. But everything that we do is scripted. Yeah. It's researched. And if it was only that, that would be one thing. But the production of it and then the post-production of it, it's a tremendous amount of work. It is. It's more than you mean. You know, writing one thing, writing the text is one thing. It takes long enough to edit and get right. But then you layer on top of that the shoots, the reshoots, the, you know, figuring. Yeah out the figuring out just even the lighting the setup and everything else which you can copy after that but then what visual graphics do overlay and cleaning that up and then the sound like it's 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 a 10x effort compared to writing right right but the flip side is as you know i'm sure you've seen it you know you pair a visual medium in education and it just sticks so much more effectively than someone right. reading through a book. Yeah, absolutely. And there's and there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, it's not just about people can say whether their preferences for learning and some people will, will like to read more than they'll like to listen or like to watch, but mm -hmm. The advantage of, of having the video is that you get inflection, you get tone, you get to see the emphasis of the words that you don't get when you're just reading the text. Mm -hmm. And you, of course, you get that in live training as well. And I think that it's hard to imagine any, any technology that would really replace uh, live training in mm -hmm. person when you when yeah, you have the that. direct response to that to inquiry or just you know that person being able to modify this message for the room it just you're not going to beat that right yeah and but but the it doesn't you know, scale it doesn't it, <laughs> that's right it doesn't scale yeah. and, and so the next best thing is having video and video-based content but to have the inflection i mean they talk about body language and communication I and mean, how, how much non-verbal communication counts for communicating with someone those are things that you can't communicate in text but it mm -hmm. is something that you can communicate in video you inherently pick that up. So it's very efficient from a learning perspective to be able to digest a lot of content in a very short amount of time. Excellent. So general reception, what's the feedback been on your platform thus far? I think it's been really, uh, it's been really positive. I mean, people who, who get what we're doing, they gravitate towards it. And I think they get really excited about it. And I think that from what we've been building so far and, and where we plan to go, we'll just continue to be a completely different company in six months time and six months after that and six months after that. So I, I think there's a lot of excitement, especially from the dealer firms. You know, I think from on the MFDA side and on mm -hmm. the IROC side, I think traditionally there's been a lot of firms where they've largely left proficiency into the hands of the advisors. Mm -hmm. And uh, you that's know. worked out fantastic. <laughs> so moving on. Yeah. And it's hard to completely fault them when you think about what's out there and how much it is and, and just the hodgepodge of, of options that are out there or to bring all of that in house and to say, well, look, we'll actually just develop it ourselves and, and we'll deliver it to our advisors. Both options have been, very, very cumbersome. But advisor, the dealer firms are getting excited because they're now seeing this as another way to not just empower their advisors, but they're actually seeing this as a way to attract new advisors. You know, when you don't have to worry <laughs> about you finding yourself, you know, every two years, you have to go do your CE and you have to do all that. You have to do all that. I think there's a know? bigger, there's a bigger play though. And here's the thing, right? This industry's traditionally been like, Hey, we'll give you your rudimentary training, give you the, you know, you'll take that course and then here's a phone, go survive. Right? So focus on sales, not focus, the focus on practice management, betterment and development has not been there. Part of the reason I started an association was because of that. <laughs> but essentially giving people just wherever 
you work as an employer or any kind of employee type relationship or a company that's supposed to support your your business, there's a definitive desire to be educated, mm -hmm. right? To get better at stuff, right? At least amongst the, the better of us. And, you know, you're helping fill that gap. So I, I can understand why they're excited to see uh, platforms such as yours. Yeah, this is, it's really, it's about empowering the the advisor. And from our standpoint, it's not just about the, the education and being able to satisfy your CE requirements, but it's also about looking for what else do you want to do? How much further do you want to go? Where do you want to specialize? You know, right now there is a price point barrier for every direction you want to go when it comes to proficiency training for your career. So think about if you wanted to become yeah. an advisor, you purchase courses along the yeah. way. Think about then if you're considering maybe going to back office or middle office, if you wanted to become compliance or if you wanted yeah. to become institutional trades. There's or always a take this multi, you know, over thousand dollar course. Yeah. To be able to even qualify for the checkbox yep. that gets you on, you know, that on your resume so you can even be considered. Yeah. Right. Versus, you know, think about every other industry in this world now and how the, you know, SaaS model has transformed that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, essentially you want to become a graphic artist. Well, guess what? Between lynda.com and YouTube, you can learn all the fundamentals. You can get software now from Adobe for like a hundred bucks a month, right? And you can slap your work up on on Fiverr to start and just start to build a base. Like literally right. in your, your part-time, like the, the barriers to entry are non-existent elsewhere. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing. I will say the barriers of the entry when it comes to people's money should be high, mm -hmm. but not when it comes to education, not when right. it comes to access to that education, right? right? Passing and making that education challenging, that's great. Mm -hmm. But access, nah, that's wrong. You know, it's really amazing, Jason, where the regulators, the government has put so much emphasis in building resources for the retail investors. So mm -hmm. there's so much financial literacy that's out there. And I think one of the challenges that I have is in the financial literacy space is that you have 13 provincial regulators and you have a federal regulator in the FCAC that all have their own individual resources for, well, you said <laughs> Agendas, it, maybe, resources, but, whatever um, it be, yeah. You know, they have their own financial literacy and, and some provinces have better resources than, than others. But imagine what kind of a, a resource you would have if they had all combined them together. Yeah. You look at it, you know, it said, here's the Canadian one. And then by the way, modify the, the P, like, you know, like what you've done. Everything's a small chapter, right? Yep. So like, here's Canada in general. Now, Ontario, go ahead and modify whatever pieces of these courses that modify for Ontario. Mm -hmm. Quebec, do the same thing. And like, you're right. Like it's, it, it get into bureaucracies and redundancies, <laughs> but you know, it's the amount of wasted effort to mm -hmm. kind of reinvent the wheel in every domicile is just nonsensical. Now, now kudos, kudos to them because- look, Thank you for doing it in the first place. Yeah. I mean, it's better than not having it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think the other, I think the flip side there is, and, and I think where advisors are really challenged in the industry is that if you think about how many resources are being applied to retail investors they're not being applied to the advisors mm -hmm. i mean there's no there's no government subsidies for education and financial services for the professionals there's mm -hmm. no there's no funding arm there's nothing yeah. it's left to private and it's left to just it's largely unregulated mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's perhaps the most unregulated part of our industry i laugh because some of the stuff i've seen written in textbooks i just cringe Yep. It's, um, you know, you clearly, again, because of what I said, the you still see inherent bias. You still see inherent incentives that they're trying to push. And you look at these things and read some of these books that are put out there as educational or whatever. And it's like, you know what? This is how you learned it. There's an entire body of academic evidence that says you're wrong mm -hmm. and you ignored it or didn't know it existed. And that's not, you know, that's not a service to, to have just 
opinion right. put out there as financial education. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, these are things that I think that if we have a little bit more focus and attention and put a spotlight on onto it, then I think that we can we can address those things. And along that same line, I think one of the other big challenges is that Regulations do change, taxes change, new tax incentives, credits, and, and other things change, but the industry textbooks don't change nearly as often. And, you know, at, at, at best- Oh, you're kidding. You're not kidding. You've got, at best, if a regulation comes into, into play today, it's going to be at least a year before it gets into the textbooks and in the hands of the students. So yeah. you've, you've got a long process of having to rewrite the changes into the textbook. You have a publishing process. You mm -hmm. have a print process. Then you have a distribution process. So you've got bare minimum. You've got a 12-month turnaround before you have today's new regulation in the hands of the students. Yeah, I just, ex I just experienced that. I, when I did my USCFP, they passed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act right in the middle of my studying for it. And they, you know, very quickly released and said, okay, so the next two sittings are not going to include this, but then the third one is going to, and by then the books will be reissued for it. And yeah. it's like, that was 12 months away. And, you know, that was going to be nine months before those books were out. And that's a, that's a really, really unfortunate place to learn because you're, you're now thinking, how important do I need to know this for the exam? How important do I need to know this for, for the career? If I know this is I, not... I did pick up the books, the new books after I passed the exam anyway, because of that very problem, <laughs> yeah, right? It's yeah. like, now those books I had as a resource are, are stale dated because yeah. so much has changed, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I went out and bought more. It's so just my solution. <laughs> you know, so, so for us, and I'll just say with, with Learnedly, I think one of the nice advantages is uh, because we develop all of our video in-house, we can shoot them very quick because we, sh we shoot the very modular, so one or two minutes. When something changes, we can just take that video out Put a new one in and it's completely seamless to yeah. to the subscriber and so we've essentially taken that 12 month turnaround time for updates to publish updates we've taken it down to six days well you know in fairness though you're new right so if something changes in like five years and you get the same presenter back they might be bald they may put on a bunch of weight yeah <laughs> you might see people like you know just looking knowing my history you might like if i shot one of these things and it was done year <laughs> after year you'd be like okay he was a little heavy then and now he's thinner and like yeah, it's like, yeah. Wow, what season was, just, was it yeah, yeah like man you're, <laughs> you're yeah wow you didn't shave that more like it's yeah, just it's we, gonna be you're right we haven't yeah. quite we haven't quite mastered how to make someone look the exact same yes um but but, but you're gonna that's a that's a good problem to have all right excellent so before we wrap up let's talk about a couple of key things if you had again these are the questions i ask everyone at the end mm -hmm. of the interview so john if you had one wish of something you can change in your company or in the industry what would it be it would be complacency if I could change it, it would be complacency. Amongst uh, which parties? Because I can, we can talk about that for a while. <laughs> Education hasn't really been challenged in our, our industry since it, it largely began 52 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a, there has been a, a developed learned helplessness about, well... This is the way it is? Yeah, and we don't really have any other options yeah. but to do it this way. And I think that is starting to change. And, and so if we have this conversation a month from now or two months down the road, maybe that'll actually change. And we're actually starting to see now that the dealer firms are thinking about how to empower their advisors and and that they want to take on those roles. Well, so, in fairness, the incentives changed, right? Like the dealer yeah. firms now are imposed, uh, were had basically continued education responsi monitoring responsibilities imposed upon them mm -hmm. with financial penalties. So you want to change behavior, the stick works very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, yeah. I mean, those 
those are things that are happening in the industry. Education is not going away. And so the way to solve it is not just to accept it and pile it back on, but it's to think about how can you do it more efficiently? And how do you not spend as much money on it? So yeah, I think, I think complacency has been a big, a big thing, but I think it's now actually starting to change. And even the regulators too are opening their eyes to, Hey, we should be rethinking this. And I think that we've been doing a, a big part of that. We've been very vocal with the, the regulators and participating in comment letters mm-hmm. and letting them know, look, there are some amazing things that we can be doing in our space. There are amazing ways that people can be taught and education mm-hmm. can just be just a natural extension of the tools in an, an advisor's tool belt, mm-hmm. not just something that's a burden uh, placed upon them by the regulators. Well, oh, I have no tolerance people seeing education as a burden, as you can see. Yeah. But nevertheless, I mean, it's unfortunately, it's always what it's been. Spin, do this to get that, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to do this to get better. And that's really hopefully the model that we take. And when I talk to people who are interested in this industry, I always say, look, you want to be in this industry and be good at it. You better have the mindset of a, li- of a lifelong learner right. because the rules, like this is... You know, when you look, just even tax policy, I like to always say like, you know, imagine playing Monopoly where the rules change every time you pass go. Mm -hmm. Well, go is budget day. Literally that, that happens every year now. Right. And then, you know, the constantly evolving markets that exist in us, exist around us. Right. Like there's so much change going on. You and I were talking about some industry infrastructure changes probably going to happen in the next six months. So these are all things that are constantly evolving and that is only accelerating. So be ready to deal with that if you're coming in. And I'll just say on that, the whole talk about AI and automation, this is a real thing and it's happening in our, our industry and you know you could ask the question is that going to replace people's jobs i think the answer is no it's going well to let's define which jobs are being replaced i think administration that is not the best place to be in the future quite honestly right right yeah. so responsibilities are going to change exactly and, you know it, this is not about the number of people employed it's going to be drastically cut down to half or a third andrew O, who presented yep. at the fp canada's He'll be conference. coming on shortly oh fantastic yeah. yeah he was he was great and so he had talked about, look, look at ATM machines. So, you know, the proliferation of ATM machines in the banks, and you could think, well, is that going to eliminate the need for a teller and uh, a customer service representative? And the answer he showed was no. Look, while ATMs are rising up dramatically, so too did the number of of employed tellers and Yeah, because the number of branches expanded because now it was more profitable to service clients. So yeah, that was the entire thinking back in the 80s was that, oh no, we're going to put all these tellers out of business. No, we just got rid of the simple deposit money, get rid of money for most people, Mm -hmm. made the bank more efficient, allowed them to open up more branches, employ more tellers. Yep. We're starting to see a retra- you know, a change in that because now, you know, in a, online banking is more common. So therefore people don't feel the need to go to the banks as much. But yeah, it actually ended up employing more people than more creating more jobs than it destroyed. The people that they're employing now are are talking more about the services, talking to their clients and how, yeah. how can you help them. And I think that that's going to be the the larger role. Yep. And I think that that's the the role for lifelong learning yep. is to be able to have more complex conversations. You're not just counting cash. You're talking to your clients about what really matters. Exactly. And, and that's that, that's very deep and profound. And it's interesting because when I get into this conversation around advisors being replaced by technology, there's only two camps. There are those who, who think it's going to happen and fear it. And there are those who don't. And the ones who think it's going to happen, happen, it basically, they fall into three categories. One, the technology people who have never dealt with people face-to-face who think technology is the solution to everything. Those mm-hmm. guys think that advisors are going away. 
Two, the advisors who are highly transactional in nature and do not actually get involved in the client relationship stuff and, and whatnot. And so those ones, those types of relationships are very easily digitized and automated and taken away. So, mm -hmm. you know, short of them changing their entire business model, they have reason to be fearful. And third are just the people who just are terrified of it in general, just by nature, right? Whereas the rest of us on the other side of this, including people who've seen both sides of the equation when it comes to what technology can and can't do and what humans can and can't do and have deep relationships, realize that, you know what, technology is just going to better our heavy lifting work, but it's never going to replace that human contact aspect. Right. And anyone and, and plenty of tech firms have come out and tried to take that initial stance of, you know, we're going to put this out of, we can put you guys like you out of business and found this exceedingly difficult. If it was true, Wealthfront would own the US by now. Mm -hmm. And instead, Wealthfront has had issues <laughs> yep. in growth at certain points. So the more you learn about this, the more you learn that there's the hybrid approach is definitely going to be the way things go going forward. Yeah. And that's an, that's an exciting thought. I mean, it's an exciting thought about where the future is going. You know, Jason, I, I listened to one of your podcasts when you were, uh, from when you were hosting the IPC conference yes. and you're talking about efficiencies or lack of, yeah. and you gave an example of, of someone who's managing, I think- 10, Almost a billion dollars. Yeah. And a very, very slim shop. Yeah. One guy. One guy, <laughs> almost a billion dollars, 300 households. And like I said, he, he works out of Silicon Valley. So, hey, more billionaires there, more, more, more millionaires there than, than average. But nevertheless, I mean, that sort of scalability is just- yeah, profound. But then you you also gave a really good example about inefficiency of, of your own case. You're talking about like booking meetings yep. with with clients and realizing that you have staff who are it was very very inefficient, time consuming for the way that they were doing it. And exactly. You, you said, look, we're, I'm going to stop this and we're going to figure out a different way. Yep. I mean, that, it's about making life easier and it's yep. just about making things convenient. And exactly. I think it's. The future is bright, it's exciting, and it's not yeah. a dystopia. It's a very much a utopia. If if we push it in that direction, I think yeah. it'll be very, very rewarding. And it's interesting because you see in the US, a lot of advisors who've been around for a while, they have access to better technology than we do in Canada for a lot of the back office systems thus far. But it's coming along now in Canada. I see it coming. But you know, some of these guys are thinking getting out of the business, but then they automate and digitize their practices. And now they're living their dream practice with low overhead, less less concern. And now they're thinking about sticking around a lot longer, right? Because yeah. now I just built my dream. Like, why am I going to go anywhere else? But yeah, it's it's... Yeah. Again, so if anyone hasn't heard those stories before, end of the day, there's there's two spheres that you have control. One sphere you have control of, one you don't. There's right. your dealership stuff and your back office stuff, which is frustrating to me because I know that I can change stuff, but, they can, but they're not implementing or they're slowly implementing. And then there's the stuff that's within my zone of control, meetings, how my staff runs, all kinds of stuff. You're in the same situation. There's always a solution for the pain. I keep telling people that just start using Google more effectively. <laughs> anyway, second question. What has been the biggest challenge in getting to where you are today? Well, we're a subscription model. So we're a software as a service. We're an all-you-can-eat kind of a, a platform. So the biggest challenge has, has been building up enough content to bring people in. So it takes a lot of legwork. And I think that that's been the biggest challenge is, is getting that uh, content up front developed and building enough of it where you you have, you know, I think about it like an all-you-can-eat buffet. If you walk into a restaurant and it's an all-you-can-eat, but there's only one or two plates out, out there, you're yeah. not going to get too excited. <laughs> no. You know, and so the challenge for an, uh, an all-you-can-eat buffet kind of restaurant is that you need to 
you need to cook it all up. You yeah. need to put it out there. Yeah. And we by no means have cooked it all up and put it out there, but we have a lot of dishes out there. We're well over 1,200 videos and we have 52 courses and yeah. we've got you know another two dozen that are in the wings to be uh, published next next year. So the big challenge, of course, is was getting that big bulk of content and now we can start to build on that and build on that momentum. You got an interesting future problem. I, I think it's, I see your, your problem, right? Right now it's, you got to build the library, but then in the background, you have this other problem of updating the library, right? And right now, yeah. that's a small mountain to climb. You have the big mountain to climb. But over time, it's if you're successful, it's going to tip. Yep. <laughs> right? yep. It's going to be a challenge. But uh, it'll be a good problem to have because it, mean it means you've been successful. Well, and also, and I'll just say that, you know, for us to, to reshoot our, our stuff, I mean, the way we've designed all of our content is you're going to reshoot it. And so get ready. And so we've even built our entire model around that. We don't outsource. We don't use uh, high-end production facilities. We have our own production facilities facility. And so we get better and better at, with our production. Yeah. And so, you know, when we get to go back and reshoot some, some things, we create a substantial improvement, but you know, now we're, we're getting into cutting more jokes and getting a little bit more entertainment. So we're, we're inching towards Netflix and I'll just say Netflix, yeah. you're, you know, you, you just keep your eyes open. Especially when you keep, when you're using the same people on camera, right? Like, you know, everybody starts off stiff and, you know, having trouble keeping up the teleprompter, whatever it is. But as time goes on, like, just like my podcast, you go back and listen to episode one, which is still my most, it's well simple. So it's still the most popular one, but you listen to that interview and you listen to these ones. And I think you'll see the natural flow of these things has, has evolved a lot. Better. Yeah. Finding yeah. your voice. That's a, it, it takes time. Yeah, yes, it does. And the comfort level just increases over time. Last question for you. What excites you the most about what you're working on, what you're doing, what gets you up in the morning? Every day, you're just ready to keep going because you know being an entrepreneur is never easy. Yeah, you're you're right. I set my alarm every morning for 4 a.m. and consistently, I'm up at 3:30, 3, 2:30, 2. Are you a morning miracle guy? Not a miracle guy, but okay, I'm a morning so, guy. Okay, so Morning Miracles, a book. Check it out. It's all about how to capture your mornings and basically just change your life, and especially if you're especially if you're an entrepreneur. It is a very valuable read. I have two kids, and and so so that's why you're up at three a.m. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, I, I, I wake up because I, I get excited about what, what we're doing. And I think, you know, from all, all of your previous guests that you've yeah. had on, they've said, look, making a difference. And, and that's the same for us. But we're making a difference in a really important area. I mean, this is education is a valuable piece. It's a piece I'm passionate about, but it's really important. And it's really important for this industry. Yeah. And the fact that every day I, I sort of take inventory of what's out there and what's available to advisors. And I realize there is such a need for something that's that's easy, simple, and mm -hmm. just convenient. And I get excited about that. I think that we're we're really putting a change on this industry. And I love it. Well, education is a wonderful force multiplier, right? Because I mean, the one course, the one thing you take, you know, watched by hundreds of people, right? You multiply the force of knowledge in there, and then the number of hundreds of people that they basically now can better service, right? You know, the better we make, the better the educational content, the better the advisors, the better the service to clients. And so the one course, you know, knock on wood, could, could you know, just, you know, even say the entry level course of the CSC, which I have mixed feelings about, but even that one, you look at the impact that's had on the industry. I mean, we can point to everyone who's IROC licensed whatsoever having their foundational start there and the good that's been done across the industry 
and how that's helped Canadians. So let me just tell you a really quick story because I think that I think this speaks really well to what what you just said. So I was a financial planner for Ontario teachers, mm. and we worked with a lot of teachers, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teachers. But there's 250,000 teachers in Ontario, so it's just not possible to meet with all of them, of course. But one day I met with a teacher, and he said to me this: We were talking about uh, investments, and um, and then putting some money into an RRSP. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, he said, John, I don't invest in RRSPs because they are risky. Yeah. And I thought for a second, I thought, boy, that's a profound statement for someone to say, especially a teacher, because if you pass that knowledge on yeah. to your students, think about what the knock-on effect is, the, the yeah. multiplier effect of that. And it was that that one comment that I I left to write a book for Ontario teachers. I realized there needs to be a level set that if teachers are going to communicate and pass on information yep. about financial literacy to their students, they need to have it. They need to have it. They need to, yeah. they need to know it. And it's funny because I mean, so some background, my wife's a teacher. So I see this firsthand with the people I associate with there. And there's definitely a uh, moral hazard to having a defined benefit pension. If you have a defined benefit pension, retirement's kind of taken care of. You don't really feel this. You don't have the same pressing urgency to be as educated on retirement planning and savings as the general population, right? And I see this just in conversation with them because I've heard comments like that or just this desire to shirk the entire thing because it's already taken care of. Uh, and I always say, like, look, the pension pension authority didn't call you up and say, how much do you need in retirement? But they didn't do that. They came with a formula that's supposed to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And you have to live within that. And maybe that's not your situation. So, yeah, I, I've seen that. And it's interesting because I think also the other thing that it was an insight that came from, you know, having my wife around is that teachers are constantly looking for resources. And, you know, one of these, the Financial Planning Association of Canada's goals is eventually, once they have it more scale and ability, is to hopefully provide that for people, unbiased, evidence-based, and say, here, teachers, go ahead and use this. Because yep. it gives you said, right? Especially because I feel like in this industry, like almost worse than other ones, you hear this one thing from someone who has some sort of semi-position of authority, like a teacher or someone who's got, maybe they've been successful in something they did, do you think it transfers to that? And suddenly that's your belief, right? And I think, especially when we start with clients, the first year, half the time is debunking myths, Yeah, right? And that's just a sad state of affairs for the level of financial literacy in Canada. Well, and, and for teachers, I think teachers, like all Canadians, we've largely, adult Canadians, we've largely lacked the benefit of having financial literacy when we came up through our own school the system. The sad thing is, though, we rank at like a C level compared, and like we're actually one of the better ones in the world, mm-hmm. but that just shows, I mean, coming being one of the better ones in the world and coming in at a, a C grade is just still not good enough, right? Right, right. Yeah. So there's a huge gap there, and you're probably more inclined to teach, if you're going to teach financial literacy, you're going to teach to your own experiences for better or for worse, for worse yeah. rather than teaching more of the theory and the foundational stuff. Yeah. So I think there's lots of opportunity yeah. there. And one last funny story, because you would have heard the, you know, I don't believe in RSPs. And my typical response is we're not talking about ghosts here. We're talking about something that exists. Whether yeah. you choose to pay attention to it or not is your choice, but let me just kind of hear me out and educate you on this. And usually when I put it in those contexts, they kind of like, okay, that was a pretty silly thing to say, and right. you know, I've, but I'm doing it in a joking way, so they're usually not offended by it. But So yeah, John, thank you very much for what you're doing. Thank you for yeah. taking the time to come in. I encourage That's everybody to take a look. Um, I mean, honestly, the Netflixification of um, of what you're doing, which again is SaaS subscriber model and the all-you-can-eat buffet of, of education, anything that makes education more accessible is something that is fantastic in my book. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. So that was my interview with John Waldron of Learnedly. I hope you enjoyed that, as always. And as always, please take the time to visit these guests. I think you'll find their offerings very, very interesting and compelling, especially this one. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jason Pereira. Take care. 
This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.